Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Imagine you're the world's leading toy tycoon. You bathe in lavish fountains of champagne that was paid for by your first smash hit the yuka-doodle. You eat only the finest caviar, brought to you by a bikini-clad blonde babe named Barbie who changed the entire toy industry. And yet, even though you own the world's only pair of diamond-studded underwear, your life feels empty. Because your own son likes some other company's toy, that little snot-nosed jerk. I imagine that's what life was like for Elliot Handler, the co-founder of Mattel, when he discovered his son playing with a die-cast car so small it could fit inside a, quote, matchbox. But any disappointment he felt soon turned to inspiration when Mattel introduced its own line of toys, Hot Wheels. Today, they're the best-selling toy ever, with 6 billion cars sold in over 20,000 designs. Despite a world full of high-tech distractions, the average American kid still owns 50 Hot Wheels cars. As the brand's head of marketing put it, quote, everyone's first car was a Hot Wheels car. But back before Elliot Handler's fateful discovery, there was a time when Matchbox cars ruled the world of toys. On today's Past Gas, how Hot Wheels crushed Matchbox and monopolized the toy car markets. Fifty? The average kid owns fifty Hot Wheels. That's unbelievable to me. But also, yeah, that's quite believable because I think I had like a hundred of those things accumulated over the years. Yeah, I feel like the people that really love them have like two thousand of them, so it kind of skews the data. I brought up two of my newest uh, Hot Wheels right now. I have. Uh, this is from Sean, our friend Sean Lee. Uh, Japan Historics 1971 Datsun 510 wagon with an Advan and Gretty livery on it. This is one of my favorite guys of all time. Nolan, you got one of these too, right? I have one of those as well. It's very, very cool. Thank you, Sean. Uh, I was at the grocery store. Anytime I'm in the grocery store, I will stop by the Hot Wheels little display um, because I'm a nerd. I'm a grown man who still cannot resist the urge to buy a plastic toy or a die-cast toy. Uh, but I recently bought, it's a, uh, I don't have it next to me, but it's a, it's a boat. A Hot Wheels boat? The, the top is like this, you know, race boat kind of shape, obviously, like, a, like one of those hydroplane boats. But then the bottom is like clear plastic looking like oh. water and then it has wheels, which are also clear. So it looks like it's going on water. I thought it was very clever, and I was like, I got to have this one, because that's something I haven't seen before. That's the last Hot Wheel you bought? I bought that last week, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is this is the last Hot Wheel I bought, which doesn't make any sense, because I don't remember any Fast and Furious movie with this car in it. The Aston Martin, Aston Martin DB5, 
What, like, was that ever in a Fast and Furious? I bet Jason Statham drove one. Oh, that's probably true. But it's a premium. It's a premium one, so it's very heavy. It's all die cast. That's cool. Last Hot Wheel I bought, I bought two. This is last month. I bought a Porsche 964. Nice. Ooh, that's a good one. And uh, and a, a Mark II um, Shelby GT40. <laughs> so the one that won Le Mans. Yeah. 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 Nice. Or okay. I believe so. Don't fact check us on that. Hello. Welcome to the show. Uh this is Past Gas. I'm your host. This is the number seven leisure podcast. That's right. In the world. Number two automotive number, number podcast. Two in the automotive world. podcast in the world. Don't tell anybody about it because we don't want to be number one. We want to stay hungry. All right? <laughs> no. We don't want to come for those New England brothers. Yeah, we don't want to come from those New England brothers. We want to stay number two. We want to stay hungry until we fight them at Madison Square Garden on pay-per-view. So stay tuned for deets about that. But thank you guys for listening. It's really cool that we're like ranked. We've never been ranked before. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, thank thanks to all the fans and everyone who reached out and emailed us or dm me or whatever you guys are awesome and thanks for listening yeah man we love you guys so much uh i love when i get like unexpected people or like people i don't expect listen to the show you know Mm -hmm. i love that that's my favorite thing yeah so thanks for listening uh as i said i'm your host nolan joined as always by the boys we got (laughs) joe (laughs) weber what's up wing wing nation stand by (laughs) and james pumphrey Toot toot, baby, baby, toot toot. Wow, that's my new one. That was like I'm a, going with it. Stick that was like it. a Thank Fred you. Durst kind of like tag, you know. Yeah, I like toot it. toot, baby, baby, toot toot. Yeah, Nolan, sorry to uh, bring this back to uh, patting ourselves on the back. <laughs> okay, but uh, my favorite thing is when my childhood friends reach out and they're like, "Ah, oh, just listen to past guests." It's like we're hanging out again. Like that's. That's what I love. It yeah. does feel like we're hanging out and it feels like every time we do an episode, like we're just kind of just shooting the shit, and that's what I love about this. That's the beauty of podcasting, Joe. You can have social interaction without ever actually being in the room with someone. It's so lovely. I'm so excited to talk about Hot Wheels, man. Like so growing up, it was like I was only into like two toys for like pretty much my whole childhood. It was Hot Wheels and Legos. So you were only allowed those? No, no. Like that's all I was into. Like any Christmas, my my mom would be like, "All right, what do you like wanting for Christmas?" I'd be like, uh, "Hot Wheels and Legos." That's kind of it. I was a very jaded eight year old when I said it like that. Um, yeah, <laughs> but that's all I wanted, man. And uh, I don't know, man. It's just so nostalgic to to talk about these things. Did you guys have any Matchbox toys? Yeah, I I had a couple. I think I had maybe two. I was like strictly Hot Wheels. Well, yeah, Hot Wheels are like they licensed cars better. And I think they're like more realistic. And then the scale. So like I think like Hot Wheels aren't all like they're generally like 164. Right. Yeah. But they're not all like accurate like that. So they're all kind of the same size. And if you throw a matchbox into the mix it throws off the whole scheme and you can't play with your cars for sure. Yeah. And, and I will say even before, cause I did a script for wheelhouse a while ago, we were talking about it on hot wheels. And even before I wrote that and researched it, matchbox wheels look not as good. I feel like they're, they don't look like realistic wheels like they do on a hot wheels. And there's a, there's a reason for that. That we'll probably mention in this. Yeah, let's, uh, I think we'll cover that later in the episode. So let's, that's a little tease for you, dear listener. Let's get into it. This is the story of Hot Wheels versus Matchbox 20. What? Rob Thomas, Matchbox 20. Anyway, um, this would be a much different story if it was Hot Wheels versus Matchbox 20. Well, it's a Hot Wheel. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Die casting toys first became popular in the decades before World War II, when several companies popped up producing different types of model sets made from a metal 
called Zamek, which is an alloy of zinc. The most prominent among these was a British company called Dinky Toys, which is an absolutely excellent name for a miniatures company. Dinky produced a wide range of cars, army vehicles, and other scale models, generally at 148th scale, and their success spawned a booming die-cast toy industry in the United Kingdom. One of the companies that followed in Dinky's wake was called Lesney Products, which combined the names of its two founders, Leslie Smith and Rodney Smith. Oh. They're like brothers. And <laughs> like, there's like, hey, wouldn't, wouldn't it be cheeky if we took the beginning of your name and the end of my name? And that's what we call the toy company. <laughs> <laughs> Why does he sound like he's at, on that like crazy TikTok filter voice? <laughs> uh, just, just that's how it came out, man. Uh, and then they and then they tickle themselves until they fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> that might have happened because, well, the Tooth Smiths uh, were not related, uh, but they grew up together and served together in the Royal Navy during World War II. They initially founded Lesney to manufacture small industrial parts for agricultural and automotive companies, but also sold several products of their own, including a tool that cut bread into small pieces of bait that could easily be placed on a fishing hook. That that's a, such a specific tool. It's also you got hands. I don't. Yeah, yeah. Well, Alt, Alton Brown wouldn't like that tool very much. That's like a one-use thing, right? Anyway. In 1947, Lesney received a work order. The bread order. is too hard to tear. <laughs> we must make it chew. I have two fingers today, reaping bread for the ducks. In 1947, Lesney received a work order for the parts of a toy gun. They soon found making toy parts was easier, more consistent, and more lucrative than making industrial parts. So, in 1948, an engineer named Jack O'Dell designed Lesney's first toy of their own, a tractor that was basically a direct ripoff of an existing dinky model. O'Dell had initially rented space from the Smiths to run his own die-casting operation before later joining Lesney as a partner. The windfall from O'Dell's road roller, as the company called it, was enough to help them move their operations from a rundown pub in North London to their very own factory. <laughs> they were making this in the back of a pub? <laughs> yeah. I bet that was so fun. Yeah. Like, you're making toys in the back of a bar? <laughs> yeah, dude. Like, even <laughs> even like when they got the factory, like, years later, I bet they looked back on the pub days, like, with nostalgia. Like, oh, yeah. Remember when, remember when we were making the road roller in the back of the pub? You know, I had a point or two. I'd, ooh, I'd be 12 points in designing that duck. Remember when we made that <laughs> duck? Those are the times. Sometimes I miss our old office. Yeah, I was going to say, this is very much like the old office situation where it's like, yeah, old office was small and like kind of cramped, but man, there's a lot of great food within walking distance. You know? Yeah. And and, <laughs> and like we, we would do all our shows with an audience. Like you guys would all be at your desks or like we'd be at our desk when like Nolan was recording and I was able to be like, oh, no, like we could like pitch jokes to each other. Now we like don't even see we'd each have other. To, we'd have to scoot past your golf to yeah. set up the green screen in the middle of the hallway. Man, that's crazy. Those were the days. Yeah, so anyway, they moved from the pub to their own factory. However, Rodney Smith, he saw no future in toy making and left the company in 1951. Poor old Rodney turned out to be the Pete Best of toy car inventors because less than two years later, Lesney had its first huge sales success with a small model of Queen Elizabeth II's coronation coach that sold over a million units. Whoa, that's, that's a good idea. That's a good idea? <laughs> They love their queens, boy. They do. That's true. That's something I have to remind myself every now and then about, like, Britain. is like I, like, that th they have a royal family. When you said that, I just, like, imagined you, like, oh, and then you run over to your calendar and you're like, Brits love the queen. <laughs> <laughs> write that on your calendar. Uh, yeah, they have like their own Kardashians, but they're like, they think that they came from God and then they use their taxes to pay for them to have a yeah, palace. Yeah, really? They're just like inbred. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, inbred pieces of <laughs> Like, 
fucking dumb, dumb, dumb. You're going to start a war, dude. You're already at war with yeah, Wink Nation. You want to be at war with Britain as well? Dude, I'm saying, I'm going to say right now, if Britain comes for the Cobra army, <laughs> I'm going to be looking to the Wink Wink Nation because, you know, uh, friends of my, uh, enemies of my enemies, my friend. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm. Yeah, I guess. So with that said, Prince Harry, <laughs> Prince William, <laughs> baby George, Elizabeth, Andrew, <laughs> you guys. Wow. That's dumb as <laughs> It's like literally if we paid for Kim Kardashian with our taxes mm-hmm. and we're like, hey, yeah, God told us that she's better than me, even though her teeth are coming out of her face and she went bald at 14. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> we'll be right back with more of this story. But first, a word from our sponsors. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, Whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Well, later that year, after the company sold a million of those little queen things, the company built on that success when they introduced the Matchbox car. And there are two stories about how this toy came to be, all right, guys? The more well-known story is that Odell created a smaller version of the Lesney Road Roller for his daughter, Annie, because her school only allowed children to bring toys small enough to fit inside of a Matchbox. However... This claim was contested by Nick Jones in his book, Matchbox Toys. Jones claims that the reason Odell made a small road roller was actually because Annie kept hiding spiders inside a matchbox (laughs) and sneaking them home. (laughs) So, Odell promised to make her a toy that fit inside the box as a replacement if she stopped bringing spiders into the house. (laughs) Were you a bug kid, Nolan? Was I a bug kid, Joe? Not really. His no. daughter his daughter was Wednesday Adams. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was a bug kid, I'd say. Would you eat little potato bugs? No. Oh. But oh. I, I'm not saying I did. What? But you know, I knew a couple of kids. <laughs> okay, okay. I just wanted to like oh. make sure real quick that that's not hey, something dude, you most, did. Most of the world eats bugs. Get yeah, over it. I would put I would put like grasshoppers in in like pickle jars with, with holes in the top. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. The potato bugs, I hate. Like, I despise potato bugs. Really? With a fiery passion. Why? Oh, yeah. Those are the most disgusting creatures on this godforsaken rock. Well, dude, after, like one night, Nolan and his parents went to the opera, and a potato bug killed his parents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Joe Cool Potato Bug shot my parents. Wait, um, what? <laughs> the guy's name is Joe Cool. The, the guy, guy who, who shot Batman? Batman's parents? Yeah. His name is what? Joe Cool. Yeah. That was the Joker. Oh, sorry. Joe, sorry. Joe Chill. <laughs> yeah. Dude, Joe Cool is Snoopy's alter ego. Yeah, that's right. Joe Chill? Look, Joe Chill. Is that any better than what I said? No, yeah, but it is. It's speak, scarier. Speaking of nicknames, <laughs> Webdog, come on, man. <laughs> no, nah, dude. I'm, all, I'm fired up. I can't, can't calm down. Bring sorry Wednesday Odell is bringing spiders into the house. Um, 
again, not really sure which story is true, but either way, the tiny tractor was popular enough with Annie and her friends that Odell hatched the idea to sell them nationally, and more importantly, to market them in replica matchboxes. Thus, the matchbox car was born. The road roller that Odell gifted to Annie ultimately became the first of a three-model release, along with a dump truck and a cement mixer. The lineup quickly expanded to 75 vehicles, which became known as the Matchbox 1 to 75 range and established the 164th scale miniature as industry standard. But it's worth noting that the 1 to 64 ratio was more of a guideline than a hard and fast rule. Matchbox collectors like to say that since every car came in the same size package, the real scale was 1 to box. The early vehicles were mostly of British makes, which left American kids playing with cars like the Ford Zodiac and the Vauxhall Cresta that weren't even sold in the U.S. But eventually, American brands like Ford were added to the Matchbox line, along with taxis, double-decker buses, tractors, motorcycles, trailers, and more. Early models were made entirely out of metal, but the cars later came to include plastic windows, interiors, and even the occasional steering system. Oh, cool. Matchbox cars initially stood out from their competitors due to the combination of small size and extreme detail. Designers at Lesney acquired original blueprints to faithfully recreate consumer vehicles on a tiny scale. And the small size of Matchbox cars allowed Lesney to price them much more cheaply than the bigger dinky models. The original price of a toy, the original price of each toy was seven and a half pence or about 18 cents. Well, what is that nowadays? A dollar? They're still a dollar. Yeah. That's amazing that they can do that. Yeah. By the 1960s, Matchbox was the best-selling brand of die-cast model car worldwide, churning out more than a million tiny cars wow. per week. Whoa. Wow. Per week. We make three videos a week, and these guys are pumping out a million cars a week, guys. Yeah, but if you think about it in frames, we probably do a million frames per week. <laughs> Maybe. The massive success they achieved without much advertising made Lesney one of England's most profitable companies. Matchbox even became a generic word for small toy cars, no matter the brand. So naturally, imitators like Corgi and Cigar Box cars came. <laughs> that's Cigar good. Box. That's so. not even A to, that's a, to a. Yeah. And uh, Dinky also introduced their own line of Matchbox size vehicles to compete. None of these, though, were particularly successful until a little thing called Hot Wheels came along. America! Mattel was originally founded in 1945 by Elliot and Ruth Handler, along with their friend Harold Matt Matson. <laughs> Funny. Uh, just like the name Lesney, Mattel combined elements of the name Matt and Elliot. Apparently... This was a thing um, that people did back then. They thought it was cheeky and it's very funny. It's very funny. It's a compromise. Well, even like uh, TVR is Trev Carr. The dude's name is Trevor who invented it. Like what? <laughs> I would never name a company after myself because like what if you sell the company and then someone owns you? Name. That's true. Mattel originally sold picture frames, then dollhouse furniture. But Matson quickly fell ill and sold his shares back to the handlers who transitioned the companies fully into toys. I need, I need medicine. I need medicine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess you could sell us the rest of the company. Get yourself some medicine there. Just as long as you keep making dollhouse furniture. Uh, and picture frames. Picture frames as well. <laughs> <laughs> then they put a pillow on his head. Oh, jeez. In 1947, they had their first hit, the Yooka-Doodle, a toy ukulele with a built-in music box. In 1955, Mattel became the first official sponsor of the Mickey Mouse Club, and in 1957, they had two more huge successes with the Fisher-Price Corn Popper oh, and Xylophone. The Corn Popper. Yeah. Yeah, the blah, 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 so you could pretend to, to vacuum or mow the lawn. Oh, yeah. Oh, that yeah. thing's fun. Dude, we should make like adult size, <laughs> like an adult xylophone. You know what I mean? Yeah, dude. <laughs> In 
1959, Mattel started selling a new toy designed by Ruth and inspired by her daughter Barbara's fascination with paper dolls. Barbara liked to give the dolls adult jobs. Huh? Like S workers. <laughs> that's However, not what they meant. What? That's yeah, not dude. that's not <laughs> like OnlyFans ladies. <laughs> no. That wasn't even around back then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> adult jobs is what we do. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, however, Ruth noticed that most of the plastic dolls on the toy market were babies, not adults. So she and Mattel engineer Jack Ryan designed a new toy based on a thin German doll called Build Lily. Build Lily was an adult job. Yeah. She was like a, a red light district. That was oh, like her okay. story. She was. That was like what? her backstory. Yes, Build Lily. How do what? you know the history of Build Lily? I am very interested in the history of a lot of things. And I've, okay. I'm pretty versed in the history of Mattel and Barbie. Build Lily was like an adult like action figure. Uh, they named it Barbie after Ruth's daughter, who inspired it. Barbie was an instant hit. Two years later, Mattel introduced the Ken doll, named after Elliot and Ruth's son, Kenneth. Weird. And in 1963... <laughs> Uh, came the first Barbie dream house. They were all were massively successful. Meanwhile, Mattel was also making other toys, most notably Chatty Cathy, the first pull string talking doll, which spawned legions of imitators. My mom has one of these. Really? Still. My, my yeah. mom is one of these. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> That's where it comes from. Chatty Cathy. I'm more of a Bratz guy myself. <laughs> yeah, I love those Bratz. <laughs> in other words, the handlers were rolling in it. And by it, I mean money. Definitely not doo-doo. <laughs> Barbie alone made Mattel arguably the most successful toy company on the planet. But the company didn't have any hit toys specifically aimed at boys. And in 1962, a Danish company called Lego began exporting playsets of all shapes and sizes to the U.S., Hell yeah. Then in 1964, Mattel's competitors at Hasbro coined the term action figure for their successful new G.I. Joe toy line. By the time Elliot Handler discovered Kenneth playing with a matchbox car, it must have seemed like something of a crisis for Mattel. I played with action figures till I was like a teenager. What did you do with them? Scenarios. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of here, mom. I'm doing scenarios. <laughs> Storylines, scenarios, uh, like day, week long storylines. I call you them know, my guys. My, uh, I used to play with action figures. I had like, oh, I still have my mask here. My mask from the mask. Oh. Uh, and he, when you go like this, his eyes bulge out. But anyways, I used to put parachutes on all my guys oh, yeah. and throw them off the top of the bleachers because I live next to a high school. I used to do that. I used to freeze them. <laughs> like I'd freeze them in a block of ice, and then like all the the his guys would have to go save him. That's fun. <laughs> that is really fun. Elliot immediately set to work creating not just an imitation of Matchbox, but a full-on evolution. He recruited Jack Ryan. <laughs> wow, this Jack Ryan guy, so much range. You know, he uh, CIA agent. Founder of Rainbow Six. John Krasinski. Uh, but also like toy genius, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jack Ryan also helped uh, develop Barbie. Um, but before that, he was a literal rocket scientist at Raytheon, Whoa. where he helped develop the Hawk and Sparrow missiles. Oh, man. This guy's like, I've created weapons that have killed so many people. I've got to go like, I've got to like, it's like penance, you know? He's got to like make mm -hmm. up. For the yeah, I've killed so many children. I have to make some happy. I wonder if he felt like that. <laughs> I'm sure. Also joining the team were Larry Wood, a former car designer at Ford, and Harry Bentley Bradley, a legendary car customizer who would later create the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile. Oh, nice. Harry Wienermobile. <laughs> <laughs> nice. The, it'd be really weird if they put like hair on the outside of the wiener mobile that'd be like really just gross. at the base <laughs> that would yeah, be very be really at the back of it 
Yeah, it'd be gross, man. <laughs> okay, so I just want to uh, clarify the Hawk and Sparrow missiles. The Hawk was a, was a surface-to-air missile, and the Sparrow is an air-to-air missile. So it's actually somewhat unlikely that these were responsible. That they could. That they, could. That they, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's good. That, that is good. makes me feel better about this guy. Yeah. When he was hired by Mattel, Bradley drove a customized 1964 Chevrolet El Camino oh, yeah. that he had designed while previously working for GM. This car ultimately became the prototype for the freshly renovated 68 El Camino. According to the legend, it also inspired the name for Mattel's new toy after Bradley showed the car to Elliot Handler. And Handler exclaimed... <laughs> Those are some hot wheels. <laughs> <laughs> and then they looked at each other and they're like, hot wheels. It's hot wheels. <laughs> Those are some hot wheels. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Those like he like doesn't like cars and he's trying to like fit in. He's like, yeah. Wow. Those are some hot wheels. <laughs> he's like, uh what's that guy's name? He who uh Kielhauser. Oh, yeah. Rest in peace. National treasure. However, do you think Kielhauser is in the Epstein Black Book? No. No, not at all. No. We've we've come to Epstein's Island. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So she's how old? <laughs> wow. We'll get back to more past guests, but right now, a word from our sponsors. However, like the tale of Jack O'Dell inventing Matchbox, the historical record is up for debate. Former Mattel employee Alexandra Laird claimed the beginning of the Hot Wheels name came from her. Ah. Laird initially worked in the packaging department, but after naming most of Barbie's outfits, she became known as Mattel's naming guru. Oh. Laird claimed she wrote a list of names after seeing the toy prototypes, and the early favorite was actually Big Wheels. Hmm. But Handler thought that using the word big for a little car was weird <laughs> and speculated that the custom styling might be what kids those days were calling hot. Okay. In Laird's version of the story, the name stuck from there and the rest is history. Hmm. That's a little iffy right there. I think that's way more believable than the first one. It's like, oh, yeah, the two guys, you know, the two dudes were just, like, hanging out, and then, like, one of them pulled up in his, like, sick car, and, like, the other one's like, damn, dude, those are some hot wheels. <laughs> and then we, like, high-fived and made, you know, the most popular toy on the planet. I think it's much more likely that, like, this lady who her, whose job was literally naming products at the company made a list of product names, and they picked one. I named a toy. Stocky, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Regardless, Bradley's El Camino definitely served as something of a style guide for Mattel's designers. Handler wanted his toys to look like exaggerated hot rod versions of real cars rather than the hyper-realistic small-scale models made by Matchbox. To help, the design team came up with a unique paint technique that Mattel called Spectra Flame. Hell yeah. This involved polishing the car bodies to a mirror shine, then spraying them with translucent paint, which resulted in an eye-catching metallic finish. Okay. A red stripe on each wheel added to the flare. That's cool. I'd love to do that on like a big car. We should do that on on your uh, on your car, Nolan. Do that for the roof? Yeah. That'd be cool. That'd be really hard to polish that thing to a mirror shine, though, I tell you that much. Another innovation was the plastic orange racing track, which as commercials were always quick to note, sold separately. Not only were the tracks perfectly sized for the new Hot Wheels cars, but they also featured battery-powered superchargers to propel the cars along the track. I probably don't even need to explain this because everyone knows how awesome they are. They're sick. They're very sick. But most important of all, Hot Wheels were fast. Years before NASCAR popularized the term win on Sunday, sell on Monday, Handler recognized the fundamental truth that fast cars sell better. Matchbox toys were top-heavy and sat on narrow metal wheels that couldn't roll very well, despite the fact that they're cars. Hot <laughs> Wheels, meanwhile, were designed to roll easily and at high speeds. The proportions were tweaked from real car models 
uh, for better weight distribution, and Mattel used wide, low-friction plastic wheels that rolled easily on the tracks. The axles were made from thick gauge wire that was rescued from a failed self-tuning toy guitar that Elliot Handler tried to develop. Mm-hmm. Yep, that was in the thumbnail of the wheelhouse we did on this. That's right. Here, when lubricated and paired with plastic bearing, it allowed the wheels to spin freely without friction. As a result, the original Hot Wheels could go up to scale 200 miles per hour. That's insane. So that's like, for 164 scale cars, that's three miles an hour. But still, very cool. You could you could make a Hot Wheels go quicker than three miles per hour. Oh, yeah. Yeah, especially for a short amount of time. But like, this is back then. They're probably slower back then still. My, I, f- I swear my Porsche 964 it must be a premium or something, but it's like a fast Hot Wheel. It's one of those heavy boys. We should do Pine Box Derby. We should just have a ramp in the studio, and every time we like buy a new Hot Wheel, we should be like, guys, I think I got a real fast one. Dude, <laughs> I was like, okay, after this podcast, on the way to the office, I'm going to go buy some Hot Wheel track and set it up right now. <laughs> Let's <laughs> like, do it. Put it, on your, put it on your card. All right. Oh, dude, I get to expense Hot Wheels stuff? Hell yeah. That's fun as hell. Mattel unveiled the first 16 Hot Wheels models at the 1968 New York Toy Fair. 11 of them were designed by Harry Bentley Bradley, including one based on another famous custom car he designed, the Dodge Diora. It's like that van truck thing. Yeah, this is like the most famous Hot Wheel of all time, I'd, I'd say. I think Twin Mill is the most iconic that's the one with two engines it's got two engines joe um all 16 designs were inspired by muscle cars or hot rods with the first one produced being a dark blue custom camaro the camaro was an example of another good idea by mattel partner with detroit's big three automakers to feature american muscle cars which were often missing from other companies lineups it also established a business partnership template that Mattel and various car companies still use to cross-promote their products to this day. Needless to say, the Hot Wheels brand was an immediate and staggering success. Mattel anticipated selling 5 million cars in the first year, but ended up moving more than 16 million units. Wow. To scale, that's like selling 250,000 cars, so pretty good. In one instance, after being shown the difference between Hot Wheels and Matchbox cars in a sales meeting, Kmart immediately ordered 50 million Hot Wheels. I hope the sales guy got a nice little Christmas bonus that year. Uh, yeah, oh, he did. Oh, yeah. he did uh, they started calling him the commish after that. <laughs> Hot Wheels completely disrupted the diecast car market, forcing competitors at They started calling him chickless after that because <laughs> he got the commish. Okay. <laughs> Michael Chickless uh, played the commish? I get it. I get it. As I was saying, Hot Wheels completely disrupted the diecast car market, forcing competitors at Matchbox and elsewhere to redesign their toys from the ground up. It was like if someone made a Furby that could cook for you. All other Furbies would be immediately obsolete. You guys remember Furbies, right? What if we use ukulele string for our axles <laughs> and we use wooden wheels? <laughs> those are those Matchbox f- across the pond. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't know Matchbox was British. Yeah, that's what, that was in the beginning of this story. No, I, I know now. That's when I knew. <laughs> I've known since then. <laughs> I don't mind the Brits. You just said you wanted to kill them. No, no, I don't mind the Brits. I just think the royal family's dumb. Oh, yeah. In the year after Hot Wheels hit the market, Matchbox sales plummeted by about 75%. Oof, big F in the chat for that. 75%. Dude, that's a bad year. That's Yeah, that's a real bad (laughs) year. And after the introduction of a Hot Wheels imitator called Johnny Lightning in 1969, Lesney's U.S. sales completely collapsed. I've got a Johnny Lightning somewhere. No, you don't. I do. Really? I, bet, I do. It's, I bet it's worth money. It's, uh, I remember I never took it out of the packaging, so maybe. Wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. I like the yeah. packaging on this. Lesney responded by introducing the, the super fat. What? what? What Johnny Lightning do you have, Noel? 
Uh, I mean, I got it in like the 90s, so it's probably not that. It's probably not that crazy. Yeah, yeah. We should probably just like go up to your parents' house and just check it. Just, just for check. You. No, they're, yeah. they're, they're like five hundred dollars. What? Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> with U.S. sales plum uh, with uh, Lesney's U.S. sales plummeting. Uh, Lesney responded by introducing the Superfast line, which refitted their 1969 line with plastic wheels. However, it took until 1971 for the company to fully overhaul their production process to include Hot Wheels-style wide wheels on their models. To compensate, Matchbox further expanded into multiple areas outside of passenger cars. This included the Skybusters range of planes, Battle King's military models, Sea King's naval models, and Adventure 2000 science fiction models. And by the mid-1970s, Matchbox was again a force in the world market. I want to meet the kid that's like only into naval models. <laughs> that weirdo. His, his name is uh, Skyler. <laughs> the height of the Matchbox Hot Wheels rivalry saw two more major innovations. In 1974, Hot Wheels introduced tampo-printed paint designs, which allowed designers to print intricate and fantastical patterns directly onto the cars. The new designs helped juice sales and were immediately copied by the competition, who did not want to find themselves suddenly crushed under Mattel's boot heel once again. I do love that there's, I mean, you know... Competition is in like every industry, obviously. Yeah. But it would be very like it'd be crazy to be in the toy industry where it's like, like Hot Wheels. They've got this printed thing. Now we got to do this printed Dude, thing. Dude, they can put freaking freaking flames on this now, man. You seen? Like they just like you walk in to your like boss's office, right? Yeah. Like in the morning, and you're just like, they can put flames on them now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's going to be a rough week. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, go get the guys oh, in the lab. Man. Yeah. They painted a red stripe on the tire. We're done. Yeah. Matchbox, meanwhile, found second life with collectors during the 70s. It was already the most widely collected die-cast toy, and Lesney began to capitalize by working directly with collectors' meets and clubs to informally survey their interests. These efforts resulted in some of the very first toys created specifically for adult collectors. They put boobs and on them. <laughs> that's, they, that's when they introduced the pube rod. <laughs> oh, God. It was a city bus covered in real ladies' pubes. Oh, God. God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. What? Cool. Rachel, Rachel got mad at me the other day because I... I was talking about sex and I described it as driving the meat bus to Tunisburg. (laughs) (laughs) It was immediately clear that special limited edition models were in high demand, both from collectors with an insatiable appetite for miniatures and from automakers who could use them to promote their new cars. And thanks to a premium price markup, they were highly profitable for Matchbox. Now, even though Matchbox cars continued to sell strongly, the great die-cast car war was about to wind down. By the end of the 70s, Matchbox's parent company found itself deep in the red, largely due to England's slow economy. And in 1982, Lesney declared bankruptcy. The Matchbox brand, as well as Lesney's production tools, were bought by Universal Toys. Ten years later, Universal bought out Tyco Toys. And then in 1997, the final shot was fired when Tyco and the Matchbox trademark were acquired by Mattel. What? Yeah. Since the Dinky brand had previously been acquired by Matchbox in the late 80s, this maneuvering put all three legendary die-cast car brands under one corporate roof. That's a Monopoly, bro. No, Mattel made Monopoly too. No, no, that's that's Parker Brothers, dude. (laughs) The collector community was understandably hesitant as Mattel now owned the biggest monopoly since Top Hat landed on Park Place. Whoa. <laughs> nice. Hey, hey, nice. hey, hey, hey. I, I was always, I was always l- the little dog. I was the car. You guys weren't the car? Nah, I was the little dog. I was oh. the thimble. Do you know that was that game, Monopoly, was made as an anti-capitalism game to show people mm. how 
bad capitalism is and then everyone loved yeah, i believe it. it was invented by uh this a quaker woman correct i don't know <laughs> <laughs> okay well f- no leave me alone <laughs> i don't know i only read the the link on reddit i didn't click on it by this point the collector's rivalry between hot wheels and matchbox fans had become just as heated as the financial one between the companies Enthusiasts of each brand felt strongly about the qualities of their choice, and Matchbox collectors in particular were worried about what the merger might mean for the future of their collections. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's like, all right. like You should go hang out with your kid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Luckily for them, Mattel has continued to produce both Hot Wheels and Matchbox, and the division remains largely the same as it always has been. Hot Wheels still emphasizes sporty, high-speed vehicles like Lamborghini Machine, Ferrari, and high-end American sports cars. They've also expanded into licensed products by creating custom-branded vehicles for companies like Gucci, as well as Hot Wheels versions of pop culture icons like the Batmobile and the Millennium Falcon. Matchbox, meanwhile, still mostly produces a more realistic lineup that includes service and utility vehicles, military equipment, (laughs) and planes. There's a market for that, too, though. People love that kind of stuff. Oh, for sure. I bought a Matchbox a couple months ago because it's like this, uh, unsurprisingly, it's like a Chevy, old Chevy truck that like rusts if you put it in water. Nice. Yeah. That's um, cool. It's still in the packaging, bro. Still in I'm, the packaging. I'm starting a new company called Cigarette Box uh, Cars. Uh-huh. And we're only going to do uh, from 1980 to 1982, just like for service vehicles. <laughs> that's a booming that's a boomer dude that's a biz forest service would be pretty cool i love that green that like california forest oh, yeah. service green is so cool oh yeah dude these days both hot wheels and matchbox collectors have plenty to choose from the two brands have combined to sell over 9 billion toys in over thirty-two thousand varieties wow. and while you can still get them for cheap at the supermarket like me the most valuable Matchbox miniature, a 1961 Magiris Deutz crane, sold for $13,000. And the most valuable Hot Wheels was a 1969 pink rear-loading beach bomb, of which only two exist, for an astounding 150,000 buckaroos. Wow. Crazy. Like, you could buy, like, so many Miatas with that money, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Both brands deserve an equal share of credit for this continuing success. Matchbox invented the 164th scale diecast car, and in many ways, Hot Wheels perfected it. Both have been inducted into the National Toy Hall of Fame. But, just like they have been since pretty much the day they were introduced, Hot Wheels in particular remains one of the most popular toys on Earth. In fact, Mattel claims that eight of them get bought every single second. Wow. So that's a lot of them during this podcast. Tell you what. Mm-hmm. I'm already thinking about what my next Hot Wheels buy is. I think I want to get some uh, more JDM stuff. Well, the best part is the price for the standard Hot Wheels and Matchbox cars has remained steady at $1 for the past 50 years. That's insane. That means anyone with a solitary George Washington or a hundred small metal Abraham Lincolns <laughs> can be a car owner. <laughs> <laughs> And at that price, it's no wonder that Hot Wheels has been a gateway for so many young car enthusiasts. And yeah, like you, Joe, I'm probably going to buy some as soon as we stop recording. Ooh, those are some Hot Wheels. (laughs) Oh, boy, them some Hot Wheels. (laughs) That was a really fun one. I love talking about toys, dude. Yeah. I'm all about nostalgia this week. Let us know if you want to hear an episode on like RC cars because I feel like that could be a really fun one. Oh yes, dude! I'm I'm building my RC crawler right now. Nice. It's a long process because you know I'm not in like a huge rush. Part of building it is part of the fun, not really driving it. Uh, anyway, so much fun. I want to go buy some Hot Wheels right now. Actually, what I want to do is download the Hot Wheels racing game, the new one that just came out. Oh, oh the new one! Yeah. Yeah. They've had like 25 looks- different video games. They've had a lot of them, but this one... This well, the new one looks The sick. new one looks really good. Yeah. And I've heard good things about it, so... I might... You know what? I might do that. I might do that. I mean, that's what I do with the, with my old lady this weekend. Play some Hot Wheels racing against each other. Casey's going to kick your ass, dude. She's a real gamer. Yeah, Casey's a real gamer. I'm a piece of shit. 
I just drink her bath water. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode. I I love it. This was a really fun one. This was, I had a lot of fun with you guys. This was, this was awesome. Yeah. This was uh, a fun one. I'm going to be gone maybe two weeks from now. So Jeremiah is going to be pretending to be me in the, on the podcast. All right. Uh, cool. Jerry back in the studio. Looking forward to that. Yeah. So you guys can have fun with him. <laughs> we will. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you for permission, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> Follow the boys at James Pumphrey, at Joe G. Weber. Follow me at Nolan J. Sykes. Thank you to our writer this week, Greg Nix, and our producers, Gavin Kinsell and Thomas Woulette. Follow Donut on all social media, at Donut Media. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel if for some reason you don't do that. Um, we got a bunch of new merch new merch item every week. Go to DonutMedia.com uh, to check that stuff out. Get on the mailing list for a nice little discount. We also have a points program now where uh, the more stuff you buy, the more points you get, and then you get free stuff eventually, and you get a bunch of points just for signing up, and then you get points on your birthday. Whoa. So it's, uh, it's a fun way to uh, rep, the, rep the set, bro. Rep the set. Rep the D-Boys. And if you... Yeah. Uh, if you want any past, if you want us to develop some past gas merch, like a shirt or whatever, um, tweet at us. Tweet at Donut Media and tell us what shirt you want from past gas. We're always looking to make new shirts. All right. Until next time, be kind. Uh, keep it juiced. Toot toot, baby, baby, toot toot. See you next time. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.